This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Living Ideas Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly. And today we are talking on a topic that if you've listened to the show quite a bit, you know that uh, this is my favorite topic of all, which is electric cars, or one of my favorite topics. I have a few. Uh, and I've had the good fortune to talk with several different uh, leaders in this industry. And today I have a chance to talk to another leader in this industry who is Ian Clifford. He is the CEO of Zen Motor Company and Zen Cars. Ian, welcome. Oh, thanks, Sean. Pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure is ours. Well, I, I've been waiting to talk to you guys for a while. I'm really glad to have you on the program. I, I know you're one of the leaders in this industry. You guys have gotten a, a lot of press uh, nationally, and you've got a lot of celebrities that are behind you and supportive, supportive of you and driving your cars. And so well, why don't we just jump right in and t- tell us, first of all, the story of Zen Cars, how it got started, where it is today. Well, it, it goes way, way back, um, really to the mid-'90s, um, at a time when I was driving a large sport utility vehicle in in traffic clogged downtown Toronto in Canada and and looking out the window and and <laughs> looking at the smog and basically saying there's got to be a better way to move through our city so i i decided at the time i was going to buy an electric car and of course way back then you know the EV1 was being launched in California and you know the 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 whole um, zero emission vehicle mandate was underway in California so there's a whole bunch of stuff happening but you know i just was continually frustrated by the fact that i could not buy an electric car and uh it uh, it got to it got to such a head with me that that I said you know damn it I'm going to go out and try to find an electric car an old electric car so I ended up buying a 50 year old electric car called a Henny Kilowatt that hmm. was built in 1959 uh, as an electric car by the Eureka Vacuum Cleaner Company yeah, no kidding I know this I have not heard about this it's, it's an amazing story anyhow they they in 1959. Um, in their infinite wisdom, decided that they would be able to kind of take over the world with um, with electric vehicles. And interestingly, what happened was they um, uh, they built about 800 vehicles. And unfortunately, what happened was that you know in 1959, cars were big and gas was cheap and pollution was not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of went you know the way of the dodo, unfortunately. And um, then interestingly. Um, I found uh, one of these original vehicles in Connecticut, and uh, and a person who'd been driving them, you know, on a daily basis for 35 years, uh, was able to, uh, you know, turn basically turn me on to these cars, and um, and so I bought one, and that became my my driving car for downtown Toronto. Now, and, not to de- detour you, I'm really curious about this, so you piqued my interest. So, what, what type of battery technology is that? That car oh, it was lead acid. lead acid. I mean, it was you know, it was the same thing that was running electric cars in, uh, you know, the turn of the last century, mm-hmm. the early 1900s in in uh, in New York. I mean, all the taxi cabs were electric, and 
uh, until they invented the starter motor. A lot of people don't realize that, that that that's how it started. We started with electric cars. This is really a return. Yeah, exactly. It. And, and you know, uh, the reality is electricity is just a way better fuel for cars. Uh, you know, electric motors, electric motors run at, you know, 80, 90% efficiency. You're, you're lucky in your internal combustion vehicle to get, you know, kind of 15% efficiency at the wheels, at the wheels. So, Electricity um, has been the past and is definitely the future. So I think I represent, I'm representative of a category of would-be electric car owners who are a little bit frustrated out there with uh, some of the, obviously it started with, um, which is chronicled in the movie, uh, Who Killed the Electric Car, it was the EV1 had its time and then was taken off the market by GM. And then, you know, obviously a lot of frustration has ensued since then. And now we're sort of starting to get back to the place where we're getting a widespread availability of these cars, or I mean, at least that's starting to happen. Um, where are we now with the availability of electric cars? I mean, can anybody go out and get them? Are we still, you know, are we, are we in a dearth situation? Or where, where do you see it being right now? Well, interestingly, it depends on what your, what your driving needs are. Uh, if, if a low-speed urban vehicle meets your driving needs, which it does for many, you know, probably tens of millions of Americans, um, uh, then there's certainly product available today, including our initial product, which is a low-speed, uh, a low-speed urban vehicle. So that's designed um, for inner-city and urban core-type driving situations. So it's not a highway-capable vehicle. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, then, you've got, of course, um, uh, vehicles which are not yet on the road but are, are being promised um, high-performance vehicles like the Tesla and... Lightning car. And, yeah, but, pardon me? Uh, lightning car in the UK. Exactly. Yeah, so so a number of different brands that 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 you know promise super high performance and also a very very high price tag associated with it. Um, at the current moment, there's not really anything in between um, for what I would say the, is the mass consumer market. And my belief is that um, the main um, barrier is energy storage. Um, so it's it's really the battery. Is the is the Achilles heel, and the, and the breakthrough needs to be in energy storage technology. And to that end, um, you know, we are we're associated with a really really interesting company uh, based in Austin, Texas, called Estor, um, double E S T O R, and they are a very very secretive stealth company who are developing um, a breakthrough in energy storage technology, which. You know, in the biggest sense, we'll make a um, affordable um, electric vehicle where the average consumer really won't know the difference between driving electric or um, internal combustion except for all the benefits of driving electric. So you'll have an energy storage device that can recharge in minutes as opposed to, um, as opposed to hours. Um, that'll be, you know, a tenth the weight and volume of, of um, lead-acid technology, so it, um, energy storage technology, which will be very safe in an automobile. Now, I'm really glad you brought up eStore uh, because it's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Sure. You know, that actually is a topic we've we've mentioned to that company twice on this program, but without you being on, so I was really looking forward to Fair having enough. the inside scoop because I know that uh, Zencar is one of the first licensees from, from eStore, if not the first. Okay. We are the first, and... Um, uh, we are also uh, we also uh, recently uh, became an equity investor in eStore oh, okay. as well. So we uh, we have a very very um, very very good intimate relationship with that company. So in an in an industry that's been characterized 
uh, by a lot of uh, false starts and CEOs leaving and products not being delivered and, and all of this and a lot of frustrated consumers as a result. Uh, why should we believe that eStore is going to happen or when is it going to happen and what, what can we count on in terms of this very promising new technology? Well, from our perspective, I mean, you know, we, we entered into this relationship very, very carefully with them um, back in sort of 2003 and did extensive due diligence on their technology and on the principles involved and um, reached a level of comfort that obviously made us move forward with them. Um, I think the most important thing from my perspective is that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with them quite regularly in Austin, Texas, and, and the level of, of advancement and progress that they're making fills me with, with a tremendous amount of confidence in terms of their ability to achieve um, what they're stating they, they, will, they will achieve. And they, they, the other, I guess the other key component to it is that we do have a milestone-based um, relationship with them. So every major milestone that they need to achieve, they have to have third-party verification of the milestone. So it's, we've constructed in such a way that we have a very legitimate basis of evaluation of, and a very objective basis of evaluation of their technology, which is really, really important, I think, just in terms of credibility. Because mm-hmm. as you said, I mean, there's been way too many false starts, um, not only in the electric car industry, but certainly in energy storage and, and battery technologies that uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's a lot of patience out there for, um, you know, for false claims. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think Steve Heckeroth said it best when he was a guest on this program. He's a very well-known figure in the electric car industry Absolutely. and others. And, yeah, and, he, and he said that there's a lot of venture capital money uh, floating out there, and that's certainly true, and that, that what we're seeing is a lot of vaporware based on people's promises to gain that venture capital money. And he said, you know, I apologize if I sound cynical, but, you know, that is a reality in the industry. Sure. Well, interestingly, I mean, to, to, to Eastor's credit, they haven't been out looking for a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, it's you know they've taken as little as they need to commercialize the product, and and believe me, once they commercialize, I mean, it'll be it'll it'll just be an absolute level of explosive growth. And not only in our industry, that's what's so interesting about what they're doing is that it's not in any way limited to transportation. Um, their biggest applications are really things like grid load leveling and renewable energy. I mean, all the other things you talk about in your in your in your site. Um, so many of those technologies, um, the basis of success of those technologies is energy storage, mm-hmm. right? So, if you think of any renewables, um, I, my belief is that the reason that renewables aren't taking off to the extent that they can is that we have no effective way of storing the electricity. You know, cause, because we have a demand grid system. It's absolutely but, true. But with um, but with an e-store type solution, uh, you know, suddenly it opens up the opportunity for so many different technologies. And uh, and to me, that's that's really the most exciting part of it is that it just creates so much opportunity for people to yeah. to really change and and to really you know do a hundred and eighty degree turn away from fossil fuels. Um, it's no sort of half measure. It's a it's a real it's really the ability to, to say, you know, thank you, petroleum. It's been a great century. <laughs> it's now time to move on, and, and the world is desperate for it. The environment is desperate for it, and we've, we've got to do it. We've and got it, to get there. And that's, you know, I mean, certainly that's my viewpoint, and I think that's the viewpoint that's shared by a majority of the audience that's out there listening. But, you know, I have this, and I don't want to sound paranoid or cynical or anything like that, but I, I feel the forces at play sometimes, and I think we all see, you know, that, that, that the 
these people, these companies that whose entire uh, revenue sources are dependent on oil still, even while they're maybe putting out a front on alternative energies and, and transportation types, that really the, the rubber still meets the road, if you'll pardon the pun, with regards to uh, you know oil. And so, and, and you know, regular gasoline, and and so, are they going to go? Are they going to go quietly into the night, or are they going to continue to provide obstruction? It's a, that's a really, really interesting question, and, and certainly one that I think about a lot. Um, if you look at some of the more progressive petroleum companies, like the Shell, um, you know, the Shell BPs of the world, they're moving. They're turning into energy companies, and and are truly embracing renewables as as you know as the future. Um, so I think there there's a level of intelligence and reality that exists out there that um, I don't think all. Um, certainly all companies in that industry will be able to, to move, but I, I think there is a movement underfoot now that, um, that is speaking to the future and, and the necessity of, of embracing electricity as, you know, as, as our primary fuel, yeah. our primary global fuel. Yeah, well, I, I certainly hope that's the case. And, you know, my concern is always more around not so much the public face, because that's always a pretty one that these companies put forth, but it's more sort of the back end, uh, the lobbies and the influence over, um, you know, government uh, and legislation that occurs that we don't no- normally see a direct chain of events happen, but yet we feel the effects in terms of um, the, the failure to produce certain legislation and things like that. So that's that's rhetorical, but that's just my own uh, my own concern. So if you don't mind, I'd like to actually switch a little bit, switch gears a little bit over to some of the specifics, and I'd like to hear and I appreciate you answering the questions about eStore because I understand obviously you're a different company. On on the Zen cars, can you tell us about what, what are the, some of the specifics as far as maximum speed and distance of your vehicle and uh, battery type and things like that? Sure. Um, our initial product, as I mentioned, is a low-speed vehicle. Um, low-speed vehicles you know, gained a lot of popularity in the U.S. Um, in the mid, mid to late 90s um, and were predominantly a... Uh, open concept golf cart type vehicle and when I started the company um, I wanted to go to a mass production platform uh, you know as quickly as we could um, with sort of a limited level of capital risk and the low speed vehicle industry um, was quite well established in the US but there was nobody doing a fully enclosed automotive style low speed vehicle and I thought that this would be the type of product that uh, would still be a niche product that would have a, 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 an interesting um, consumer audience um, in different parts of the, of the United States. And, and that's proven to be the case. There's a type of driver who is looking for a zero-emission vehicle for local um, urban and neighborhood-type driving, as well as people in gated communities who you know, would traditionally use a golf cart um, but in any inclement weather wouldn't be able to. So our vehicle fits quite a broad spectrum of, of consumer need um, throughout the U.S. And uh, it's styled very nicely, and it, it, uh, it has a regulated top speed of 25 miles an hour. That, that is the federal legislation for low-speed vehicles and can operate on a 35-mile road. So once again, we're talking urban core neighborhood type driving situations. Right, which probably, I mean, that I know for myself, um, especially with working from the home, that that represents at least 95% of my driving. And you're not alone. <laughs> it's really, it is truly amazing uh, once you sort of stop and, and, and really assess your drive, the, the way that you use a car and your driving patterns, 
it is amazing how many short, you know, short duration, uh, not long distance trips we make on a daily basis. And of course, you know, firing up a, a you know, six or eight cylinder engine um, is uh, for a short trip is just the, the least efficient way of using a petroleum vehicle. It's just crazy, in fact, yeah. um, from an emissions and inefficiency um, standpoint. And if you can get into a little electric car and do, you know, do all of your local driving in, the, in a small electric vehicle, it's, it's absolutely it's a practical and, and incredibly enjoyable way of moving around. So is part of this just getting people uh, over their sort of their love affair with their their big sort of normal car, your their gas guzzling car, to drive two miles to the store or whatever it is, and just getting over and accepting the idea uh, that that this is a viable form of transport. Is that the block? Absolutely. No, I, I would suggest that the biggest the biggest challenge for us has been um, the educational component of the sale. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's really as I said, trying to get people to seriously consider the way that they use a vehicle. And that, by necessity, the car that you you know you drive around the corner, or drive to your friends, uh, drive to school, or what have you, does not need to be the same vehicle that you get in and drive across the country. In fact, you know many of our consumers are are buying a Zen vehicle and using it for their local driving, and then joining some form of a car sharing program for the times when they need a vehicle to go longer distances. And and it's a great it's a it's a, actually a great arrangement because you don't then have to have the burden of of owning. Uh, internal combustion vehicle and maintaining it and insuring it and everything else and you you really can get the best of both worlds yeah and even even the necessity for that for the carpools and such is because unfortunately in most places in this country unlike europe and and many places in asia we 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 don't have well either the quality the same quality of public transportation or the same utilization of public transportation so you know really i mean in an ideal society we'd have great public transportation that everybody use and then we would have the neighborhood electric vehicle to get around in our own neighborhood for extended trips Oh, it's so true. Uh, it's interesting. You know, we, we're talking to a number of fleet managers right now about our, our using our vehicles as what are called station cars. So these are fleets of vehicles that would be part of a public transit system where the rider could, um, you know, come out of their the, the train or bus or, or whatever type of vehicle they're in, um, and there would be a fleet of Zen vehicles um, that, you know, could be unlocked with a you know, with a transit pass, and they would use it for the last, you know, the last five miles of their trip. Um, the way it is now, many, many people, you know, will keep a, um, like a old, junky internal combustion vehicle um, that, is, you know, is, is a terrible emitter. <laughs> They'll mm-hmm. use that for, um, for that type of commuting, that, that commuting to a, a public transit system. So it kind of almost... Uh, you know, it, it reverses the the benefit of using public transit by using a an old car to to get you to the station, whereas an electric vehicle would be a perfect application for that. Absolutely. I have a little bit of an offbeat question for you here. I know that the name Zen stands for Zero Emission No Noise, mm-hmm. and I'm curious about on the no noise factor. This has come up both in electric car discussions as well as electric motorcycles. We talked to Bramo and and some other people in that industry, and it's one of those things where, depending on who you are and your viewpoint, that can either be a positive or a negative that these vehicles don't actually produce noise. And, you know, you'll hear people say in the motorcycle industry, you know, loud pipes save lives and things like that. The, the Harley crowd says that, and, sure. uh, you know, far be it for me to argue with the wisdom there, but, uh, I, you know, does that come up a lot, and what's your response to that? 
Well, it's a, it's a it's an extremely relevant question, and, and interestingly, you know, if you look at um, you know new um, high end internal combustion vehicles operating at low speeds, they're almost silent as well. So it it's not a distinct problem just for electric vehicles. I mean, uh, quiet vehicles are are becoming more of the norm um, in low speed situations, at least. Um, that being said, I mean, we've, we've certainly had discussions with um, both Canadian Institute of the Blind, for instance, specifically, and I think that it, it, there's going to have to be an industry solution to this and, and whether there would be, um, you know, some sort of directional sound or a sound that is transmitted or something to that effect. Um, but certainly if, if, if electric vehicles become as widespread as, as we certainly plan them to be, um, then it'll, it'll be absolutely be part of our planning. Um, the way it is now, um, when you're driving one of our vehicles through a neighborhood, I, I tend to actually keep my you know, finger on the horn, and I am very much aware of the surroundings and, and try to drive as defensively as I can based on that. But, um, but the beauty of a, a, a no-noise vehicle in our neighborhoods and, and city core is, um, you know, is, is such great significance. The level of noise pollution that we live with is, is uh, unbearable in most situations. Mm-hmm. I've also, I know that there has been some con- concerns from the blind community as well, and that recently made the news, as a matter of fact. Um, yes. So I've, wondered, I've wondered about, you know, the potential of class action lawsuits and things like that, if, you know, that's something that's out there. I think that there's certainly a risk, and at the same, and and of course, hybrid vehicles share the, you know, when they're not operating it, operating in internal combustion mode, you know, share the same issue. And I believe that actually was the recent news article. Thank you for saying it, clarifying that. That actually was it. It was about yeah. a hybrid vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly the industry, uh, and we will uh, look at that very seriously as as the company grows. Yeah. Now I'm curious, also on the cars, uh, just going back to the car itself, how much space is inside your current shipping uh, vehicle, and how many people can it carry? It's a it's a two passenger vehicle. Um, it's about the size of a of a Mini Cooper, um, and it has um, I think it's 13 cubic feet of storage in the back. So it's you know, it's it's designed to easily carry you know a week's worth of groceries or you know an array of boxes or what have you. It's it's extremely um, generous in terms of in terms of storage space. So for any practical uses, um, it has it covers you for sure. You know, I was just thinking back on the previous question too. Uh, thank you for answering that. I just was thinking that uh, I just thought of a business opportunity here, and actually, I've thought of this in the past. Is that you know, I've always wanted my my car to sound like a you know an F1 uh, car, or for example, like a, there's a certain sound that a Ferrari 355 has that you just really can't reproduce anywhere else. But I was thinking this is a perfect opportunity for digital samples for cars, and you know, I'm thinking about starting a company like the Vroom the Vroom Vroom you know car noise business and license the technology. So I'll talk to you about that later. But yeah, no. <laughs> It's a great idea, and, and no, it's something certainly we joke about with our engineering group. It's you know um, because it does come up, and um, and certainly something worth considering. I mean, you can change the voice of your GPS navigator now, so you might as well be able to exactly. um, ultimately change the change the sound of your car. Exactly, yeah, it's an opportunity. So, how does Zen Car compare to it? Like, for example, a gas-powered vehicle in terms of greenhouse gas emission. If we just put that down to brass tacks. Oh, it's it's huge. Um, you know, driving one of our vehicles eliminates uh, on an annual basis eliminates about six tons of CO two emissions. Um, so, you know, this point of, of what can you do as a as an individual consumer to to make a difference? If you if you look at your carbon footprint, um, the automobile you drive 
currently drive is probably one of the biggest parts of your of your carbon footprint and uh, and by driving electric you can make a huge um, environmental uh, difference uh, as an individual so so many many of our consumers are buying our vehicles for that specific reason mm-hmm. there's, there's, there is a a big statement to be made by by driving electric the other thing is the efficiency which i talked about earlier but um you know, our, we, you get the equivalency um, of, of energy, energy equivalency of 245 miles per gallon driving one of our cars. So um, the cost is about, it's about two cents a mile, your energy cost, to drive, uh, to drive an electric vehicle. So, you know, you start doing the math, and, and the economic benefit is absolutely enormous. That's so amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. So, uh, and and more and more people are. I mean, obviously, gas prices are just going through the roof. But the implications of the cost of gas and and where it's coming from and and you know the global implications of it. I think you know a lot more people are so acutely aware of that and want to make a difference and make a statement. Really. So I'm I'm curious. So one last question is all we have time for today. Unfortunately, I've really been enjoying this conversation. Um, it would be just about going back to what we were talking about. It sounds like we've got current the current generation from Zen's perspective of the current generation of vehicles that you're producing, which are more in the neighborhood electric vehicle category. And then we have with the e-store technology. It sounds like there's going to be a second wave of product coming out later. Can you publicly comment at this point about when we might expect that to happen? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I can't I can't say to the month when we will be delivering highway capable product but um, if e-store stays on track we will ha- definitely have a, a production energy storage device in our vehicles in in calendar 2008 so it's it's very very it's a very very short horizon that's great um, we have uh, we have exclusive rights to e-store's technology for vehicles up to a 1400 um, kilo curb weight so this is a Honda Accord Toyota Prius size vehicle and smaller and and basically represents about 40 million new passenger vehicles a year globally so it is a, a huge segment of the market is is within our exclusive rights to, to their technology so you know I, I'm not being naive thinking that um, little Zen motor company is going to ramp up to a global corporation <laughs> overnight but we will certainly be looking to you know to do joint ventures and partnerships with with companies around the world who you know, who share the imperative for electric vehicles and are, are willing to ramp up uh, from a production uh, from a production standpoint. So we're very very excited about the future in that regard. And, and the other thing I should add is we also have exclusive rights to the conversion market of existing internal combustion vehicles to electric. And there's roughly 900 million passenger cars on the road today around the world. And the opportunity to take a five or ten year old internal combustion vehicle, which is you know polluting horrendously, but still has you know this huge investment of raw materials in it and the integrity of the vehicle to convert that sort of a vehicle to electric, so basically remove all the internal combustion components and 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 give it a new lease of, of life as an electric is uh, we believe is, is just a remarkable remarkable opportunity and, and we're very very excited about the prospect of that. Well, I can say sincerely that we share that excitement and are very much looking forward to that next wave of vehicles coming out to again. And it's important to just remind everyone that this is in that other category, which is the the longer commute to work and what have you. That it's different than these. Are really not these are complementary really and not uh, either or so absolutely absolutely I mean it's you know it's we've got choices in most areas of our lives um, for for different environmental options and 
the automobile is just uh, you know one of the last bastions of <laughs> sort of the holdout, right? And That's right. and it's time to you know to really uh, move electric drive mainstream. Yeah. Well, Ian Clifford, CEO of Zen Motor Company, has been my guest today. And you can find them online at www.zencars.com, and that's two N's. Ian, sincerely, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. We'd love to have you back again sometime in the future as well. Sean, it would be a pleasure. Thanks so much, and thanks for what you're doing. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.